Our lesson for today comes from the Gospel according to John, the second chapter. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I haven't been through this yet. Perhaps you have. I will one day. My wife Sally already has. Her parents sold her childhood home a few years ago. And the new buyers immediately renovated it. They did a nice job, but the interior doesn't look like the house she knew for most of her life. The outside looks pretty much the same. It's on the same piece of earth it's always occupied, but it's quite clearly no longer her parents' house. It's not the one she remembers. My friend Michael announced this week to the congregation he leads that they will soon have a groundbreaking for the new sanctuary building they're putting up. He said in his announcement, one of the things the fire taught us is the church is not the building. And he went on to invite the congregation to prove that by being part of a mission event the day before the groundbreaking. And by encouraging them to continue to invite people to be part of the ministries despite the fact that they will be inconvenienced by worshiping in a family life center and by driving around a construction site and all the challenges that go with having a new building coming up. The most critical space their congregation had was destroyed by fire. The location of their baptisms and weddings and funerals, the place where they sang God's praises and committed or recommitted their lives to Christ, gone. They are rebuilding, but it won't be exactly what it was. And it won't feel exactly as did that other sanctuary. And there will be more grief associated with that. But they are also more certain than they have ever been. The church is not the building. 
If a temple were just the building, Jesus' statement that he would rebuild it in three days, that which took over 46 years to build, was beyond ludicrous. Now, I know that we can't say God can't, but we sure can say God hasn't. God has never built a building the size of the Jerusalem temple in three days. God chooses to build buildings through the hands of people. And we take longer than that. And the things we make are never permanent. Homes are torn down or renovated. Sanctuaries are rebuilt or renovated. Fires destroy, materials weaken, rain gets in, ceilings start to peel, roofs have to be repaired. That's life. It's the life that happens in these spaces that makes the spaces either worthwhile or worthless. There are plenty of beautiful houses that are cold because they are empty. They are toured, but not lived in. They are observed for their architectural value or their impressive decor, but they do not feel comfortable or joyful. And then there are homes. A room or two might be ready for the surprise visitor who could show up. But most of the home has the latest projects strewn across the table and piles of books and magazines and papers that are meant to be gotten to. The floor, a minefield of children's shoes and dogs' toys, which is annoying, but it's home. A home like that would never be shown like that on a tour of homes, but it is much more a home on the days that it could not be in the showcase. You look in it and immediately know who belongs there and who is invited to be there based on what's in there. There were animals for sale and people ready to exchange money in the court of the Gentiles, an outer rung of the temple complex. They needed to be there. It was impractical to bring whatever you were offering from wherever you live, some far-off place like Capernaum. You couldn't take your sheep from there to the temple. And besides, once you got there, it might be rendered uh, unworthy of the sacrifice. They needed the animals to be there at the temple. And they needed these money changers to be at the temple. You couldn't use your secular Roman coins that were used in the commerce outside the temple to... To make your offering, you needed the shekels. They needed the money changers around. So there were two groups that belonged at the temple. Those who were coming to worship and those who were there to help them be able to worship. And a helpful system was established to make it more convenient, if often more expensive, for the devout to make their offerings. Everyone became accustomed to this, accepted it. It's the way it is. 
It's the way it's always been, you could hear them saying. Enter Jesus. He saw his father's house very differently. If it was to be a place where Gentiles were not just there to serve the Jewish worshipers, but were also there to be invited into the kingdom of God, maybe filling their space with animals and money changers was not the most hospitable act. Here, here's a space for you. Hope you don't mind the cows and the sheep and the birds and the money changers. Make yourselves at home. Maybe if the statement to the Gentiles was to be, you're welcome here. We are glad you are here. We'd like you to join us in trying to love God and neighbor more faithfully. The Gentiles would have been treated better than as an undesirable, if necessary, intrusion among them. As Jesus watched the animals being sold and the money being exchanged, he knew what was at stake. He knew how easily the system could allow for exclusion. You must be the right person with the right means to make the right sacrifice. And extortion. Don't you think your sins or your blessings are worth more than that sacrifice? How quickly... It could become forgiveness based on your means rather than forgiveness based on the mercy of God. How easily might God's house become something you enter with reluctance and shame, an obligation that is more house-observing than homecoming? The reason Jesus could boast that he would rebuild the temple in three days is that he was talking about his body, not some physical structure. The place where God truly lived. But the reason he was outraged that the temple as he found it was as he found it was because it was not as his father's house was supposed to be. The father's house was where the father stood on the edge of his property watching the horizon to see when his son might come home. And when his son finally arrived home, the son's remorse was no match for the father's joy. The father's house reached into lands that many sought to avoid, places like Samaria, where a woman was thirsty for something more than she could bring out of a well. He knew, Jesus knew that the Father would have him engage with her in her place and on her terms because that might just lead to her accepting what could actually quench her thirst. Jesus knew that the Father's house had expanded such that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth and that that kind of worship is not tied to one specific place. What Jesus knew of the Father's house is that while we might come in weighed down or wounded by sin, reluctant 
or resistant because of past experiences. Skeptical or cynical based on what others have said. The Father's house is not a place of exclusion or extortion. It's a place of people. People who come together in ornate spaces and simple ones. It's a place of offerings and sacrifices which are never without blemish, but that when faithfully presented or received like a child's work that is proudly displayed on a parent's refrigerator. The Father's house is a place where God is present in the basic meal shared, and that in sharing of that meal is a sharing in life that reflects the meaning of that meal. The Father's house is not a marketplace, but a home for any who recognize their thirst, their hunger, their need for more. It is a gathering of all those who realize they need to be gathered in. Welcome to Jesus' Father's house. Or your family. Even if at times we're still sorting out what that means. May we, by God's grace, sort it out before more tables get overturned. Welcome home.